0: Welcome to Eagle Clinical's Expert Update, the business of natural health. Whether you're working full-time in clinic, if it's your side hustle, or if you're thinking about starting a business in natural health, this podcast is for you. Your host, naturopath and educator, Lawrence Katziris, will interview industry experts to share easy-to-consume expert updates. With the help of the experts, Lawrence will aim to simplify some of the more confusing questions that emerge when running a business, so you can get on with the more important things.
1: Welcome to Eagle Clinical's Expert Update, the show that speaks to industry experts and covers various topics around the business of natural health. I'm your host, Lawrence Katsaris, and today is part one of a series on the importance of prioritising website design and branding. We're going to explore common questions that arise when it comes to some of the tricky aspects of branding and creating a website, and why establishing an online presence is just so important. In some of our later episodes in the series, we'll share some recommendations on how to specifically build a website from scratch, as well as some ideas in revamping an old or outdated website. We're joined in this episode by Chanel Siegman, and she is going to walk us through this vital information. Chanel's well qualified for this because she's a website designer and a qualified naturopath. And she runs a business called Tech for Prax, which focuses on website design and branding for natural healthcare practitioners. Chanel has over a decade of experience in working in website design and understands the array of questions that many new and experienced practitioners have when it comes to branding or website design. Chanel thrives in helping small businesses grow and level up in website design, branding and graphic design. So this can help practitioners focus on doing the things they love, like seeing and helping patients. So as a qualified naturopath and design expert, Chanel is able to effectively communicate with like-minded natural healthcare practitioners like yourselves to bring your brand and vision to life. So Chanel, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks so much for having me today.
1: Now, there are a lot of places we could start with this, but probably starting at the most important aspect, first and foremost, why is it that vital that healthcare practitioners need an online presence to build their business?
0: I suppose uh, this day and age, the standard of running a business has changed. A lot of practitioners, when they started, uh, it was all word of mouth. Uh, you had a clinic location and people came and saw you. But because most of us are now being pushed to go online, we need a web presence. So whether that's um, a website, whether that's social media, whether that's having um, someone jumping on Google and putting your name in or the words naturopath near me, people need to be able to find you. And if they can't find you online, theoretically, you might not even exist.
1: Definitely. Like, I think it's it's funny. Like I. I remember when I started in practice it was all about getting your name in the yellow pages and it's kind of funny to see how that's changed right that you've described a couple of things there that to exist now as a practitioner I need to exist online and I need to have a website I need to have some socials I need to have some search engine google optimization so where is it that having a brand plays a role and how do you establish like branding across those different mediums?
0: Big question. Uh, So, generally, when you're starting in clinic and you're wanting to get your name out there, the first thing isn't, I need a website. The first thing is, I need branding. Because if you don't have the basis of what your branding is so that's a logo, your colours, your photography style, through to how you even speak um, that's the backbone of your business. And if you don't have that as a starting point, then you're really unable to build the rest of it. You're unable to build the website. You're unable to build that social presence. You're unable to um, build that whole complete profile of who you are as a practitioner. Um, so that's where I'd really start with it rather than jumping straight into you know, the website side of it. It's the branding. That's the key. That's how people connect with you and how patients and clients can find out who you are, why you're a practitioner, what you, what you do and why you love it, and why they want to come and see you.
1: You probably touched on there, I was starting to think. Well, what's the elements that we need to consider when creating a brand? And I think you're probably starting to touch on that there. Essentially, what you're saying, all that I'm hearing here is a website's going to tell people about me. But first, I need to figure out who I am and create that brand. Yes. Is that about right? So, That's what correct. are the things? What are the things we need to be thinking about when we create a brand? Or what are the what are the points that you start with with practitioners? for creating their branding first
0: generally it's it's really simple stuff so it's like what what i find with a lot of practitioners are honestly they gravitate towards green (laughs) green green colors green branding green photos um is that really you need to be like uh, what is your favorite color what does that color you know it's color psychology so what does that color portray to the person so again people in health green blue some do purple um but really nutting down who your target market is because if you don't know who your target market is you can't visually create a brand
1: yeah something that's going to appeal to that target market because maybe purple is not going to ta- appeal to my target market is okay if green is so common is it bad for us to be like should people steer away from green
0: no not necessarily i mean you look at all the ma- major health brands they they're honestly using green it's got it it screams health but if that's not your colour, then don't stay with it. Like, for example, with my clinic, I chose blue because I actually really like blue and it's quite a calming colour. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, when I started, I think I just had black and white just for a starting point to kind of build the business up and get it going. But um, unfortunately, I do find the default is is green. Yep. I think sometimes it's because practitioners haven't nailed down exactly who they are and what they do and who they want to see so they stick it safe
1: sure and okay so once we've figured out you've got your target audience you've got your colour you've got your branding where do we where do you take practitioners from there in starting to create their online presence is a website so, the first place to be starting
0: so once we've got the colour we've got the the kind of style that they want say so if they're more of a casual practitioner or a more clinical practitioner or somewhere in between, um, you'd need that logo. So the starting point is actually creating a Pinterest board or some type of mood board that shows you overall that kind of vibe and theme you're going for. So then say if you've got this logo created, it would have a particular type of font that would give a particular type of feel. So um, you could either go something more standard or uh, not so standard depending on what you want the business to kind of be situated at and who you, you're targeting because different demographics, different type of style. Um, and once you've got that logo, it can either be built into the whole branding suite, which is your business card, your social media tiles, your Facebook banner, uh, you know, the flyers, the handouts, the, the letterheads, like all of the basic stuff, and then you can go and build that website.
1: Okay, and so probably just to even step back, something that you're saying there is how do I know if I've got an effective branding? Like how do I know if my logo, like is there ways that people should be sense-checking this across family, friends, current customers, like or is it just decide what works for you and that you think represents you as a practitioner and then step from there?
0: I started with that myself, to be honest with you. I started with that I like this so I'm going to do it. And it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really coming down. Like I know a lot of people do ask friends and family. They go, hey, do you like this? I love it. And then they'll either get upset because a family member has gone. Oh, no, I don't like that. But you know what? Your family members and your friends aren't probably your target market.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So check it with some of your current customers. Show them some of your options. So if you're dealing with a graphic designer and then go, okay, like run it past some of your your target audience, see what they think, see what appeals to them. That's right. Great. So once they've figured out branding, they've got their place to go, we start to then kind of build us through those processes of creating that online presence. Can you walk us through what are the steps that you then start to take practitioners through in building, building that online presence?
0: Sure. So generally what I do because I've got a whole client management system is Uh, once we've got this branding kind of sorted, whether they've done it through me or they've done it through someone else or they've got this logo from something else, um, you would start to kind of look at a rough sort of layout. So some practitioners get a piece of paper and they start just drawing a couple of boxes of this is I'd like a photo, this is I'd like some text. Some of them don't have any clue, which is my job to kind of help them navigate the whole process. So um, often I will say, Go create a mood board on Pinterest and type in the words like website design, uh, health practitioner, health coach, uh, it just uh, like a general sort of overview of and have a look at how they've laid their website out. Because that gives you an idea of what other people are doing, but also how you could start to kind of form the basis of a website. And it shouldn't be looked at from a pretty, this is beautiful. It should be looked at from a functional point of view, because generally when people are going onto your website, they, they kind of want to be like, who are you? How can you help me? How can I book in? Um, because otherwise it can get a bit messy. So from, from a functional point of view, you need to kind of break it down into boxes. And then from there, we would look at doing things like website copy.
1: So what are the fundamentals? Like, what is the structure? that needs to be in there you mentioned a couple of those like who are you how can I book in what's the services that you're offering is there a a format that needs to be covered as the basics
0: in an ideal world I would say a top header would have the immediate sort of thing you do because you've got a really short window to be able to gauge those clients and get them to book in with you so generally you'd have a top header and it would be uh, something to do with your niche, so exactly who you want to work with, who your target is. So, for example, on my clinic site, um, the background image on my on my header is a woman with a small child. I deal with a lot of pregnancy and preconception care. Um, and it basically said, this, this is what health is. If you need help with preconception care, come and see me and a button. So it's straight to the point. They know what I do. It isn't uh, necessarily saying if you don't want help with that, I won't come see you, but it's just really easy because people are very quick to judge.
1: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I guess we're getting a shorter and shorter attention span. And so I wanna that landing page needs to to capture my attention. And we'll include a link to your website in the show notes so that people can see exactly what you're talking about. And it is really effective. So from there, what are the other kind of structural elements that we need in that website in terms of pages or what's the
0: Yeah, what's so the I mean as you're going down down a home page, you'd probably say um, hi, this is my name, here's a photo of me, a little bit about me, um, a link to the about page to go into more detail, whether that goes into um, who you are, how you became a practitioner, who you like seeing, um, your memberships, your accreditation, your qualifications, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And then underneath that about banner, as we'll call it, you would have uh, what services you offer, and then underneath that, you might have, say, a call to action. So whether that's join my newsletter list, I'll give you this free thing. Um, it's quite popular. Under there, if you do have a blog, you could have a blog under there and then a contact uh, information and then the footer. That's a, that's a standard homepage. And I've brushed over it very quickly because it really depends on who your market is, what you want to offer. You might not even want to start with blogs. They are They are a lot of work. They're very effective, but they are a lot of work.
1: Yeah, great. And I think that probably ties in well to the idea that it does need to be tailored to who you are as a practitioner, right? So a lot of people will try to work on a budget, and understandably so, and create their own website. And I know that that budgetary concern or consideration is a big factor for why some practitioners try and do it themselves. But what would you recommend that you start to look at and say, okay, well, what are you looking at for people to what's the differences between getting a website that you can build your own kind of DIY versus a professionally made website the knowledge yeah
0: and the right layout
1: yeah and just tailoring that to you
0: definitely as your yeah i mean a lot of my work is is custom design websites but there's also this whole other side of editing people's uh, work that they've DIY to make sure it's undi- up to scratch
1: yeah great right i guess probably like renovating your own home right like sometimes you just kind of do stuff that's just not really that compliant
0: yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's websites but is there's other ways to establishing that online presence would you mind touching on some of the other elements such as socials and website optimization like where's the next place to be going from there
0: even before a website, I would actually start up a Google My Business account. Um, it's free, and you can put your clinic information in there. You can put a photo of you. You can put your clinic name. You can put your address. You don't have to. put your contact details in there. So someone jumps on Google, for example, and you'll eventually pop up on this little side area, uh, which is really important because I don't know about you, but when I'm in an area I don't know if I want to go find – somewhere to eat, like a really good restaurant. I'm going to just type in, um, you know, a certain type of cuisine and then go near me or whatever suburb I happen to be in. And if they're not up there, they're not actually going to show up on Google. So the first point of call would be Google My Business. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And then, sorry, continue. And then you would probably look at uh, your website, depending on what your budget is. And, I mean, I suppose... I feel like a lot of practitioners jump straight into social media and then the website comes last.
1: Yeah, it does seem to be a bit of a um, trend lately. And I, have from what I've seen with some practitioners, I've interpreted it because that's cheaper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's the downsides to that?
0: Uh, I mean, I mean, I started with the, with the social media and then I did the website last, Mm. but I was coming up to issues like I wanted to start a blog and write more information about, you know, endometriosis, PCOS, like all these really heavy questions that I keep getting people asking me in consultation. And if I pop something on um, Instagram, for example, you're limited by characters. If I put it on Facebook, who's to say it's even going to be found because we're just overloaded with information all the time.
1: And, your website then functions as a place to direct them to from your socials.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah. this main main hub. So like if I've got a client and I'm speaking to them in consultation um, and a lot of this does come up, I'm like, do you know what? I've got this great blog on 10 foods that's really good for fertility or um, I can see that you're really struggling with balancing um, your sleep hygiene with being a new mum. Jump on here, I'll send you the link. And instead of sending them a link to a Facebook post which does not look professional
1: no no you're it sending it?
0: them to a blog
1: yeah beautiful so start with google my business then website and then socials is that what you recommend
0: yeah i mean it's good it's good to get your website up and running at the same time as at least starting your social media platforms so um, you've got that there to be able to link them back on the website as well
1: yep Yeah, great, great. And then is that pretty much where it ends, or is there other factors that they need to be considering?
0: Ongoing SEO. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's not as simple as just um, creating a website and then pressing save.
1: (laughs) If only. Do you Mm -hmm. want to? I know SEO is a huge area. Would you mind just explaining what SEO is to those who aren't familiar with it, and maybe just walking us through why it's so important.
0: So it's search engine optimization so it's those keywords that someone would put in to that search engine to be able to find you so um, generally when I'm building a site it it would have the standard pages of a home about services book in contact terms and privacy policy that's a that's a standard clinical naturopathic style website um, but the inside nuts and bolts of that is The content needs to be on there, but the title of the actual page should say home, and then it should have your name or your business name, and then to go the extra mile, you might want to put in your location and what you focus in. So, uh, for example, I've got a website design I did for another practitioner, and we ended up using the words Adelaide and Weight Loss, and then underneath that, which is called a meta, meta title, it's the information underneath, um, that generally pops up. It's got um, hi, my name is whatever, and uh, I deal with weight loss. I'm located in Adelaide. So um, it can take time for this information to populate in Google in their search robots that run through the whole program. But having those key words in there of what they actually do and where they're located means that people that jump on um, Bing or Google or DuckDuckGo, for example. Will find it easier to find that practitioner, whether that, um, if there's a practitioner that hasn't actually put those particular words in.
1: Great, thank you. That probably runs us through and again points out the complexities here about this is more than what you're quite capable of sometimes of being able to just try and do it yourself as a practitioner. Now, you talked around budget, like what is a, how much should a practitioner be assigning as a budget to be creating some of these digital
0: assets? So for me, I can start with a logo. It's not going to give you the social media size. It's not going to give you the Facebook banner. It's not going to give you the business card and all those things of the whole branding suite. But I do find that generally um, practitioners just want to hit the ground running, get their name out there and start consulting. And then when they've built a bit more of a budget back up, they come back and go, hey, can we do these other areas here? Um, to start with a logo in itself at this point in time, 700 plus GST. And that gives them the the basis to be able to go, here's my business name. I'm going to pop that on the social media platforms. I might jump on something like Canva and DIY myself uh, a quick little banner because it's pretty easy to do once you kind of work out how to use it. Uh, And then you've got that logo that you can go, okay, I either want to DIY this site or I don't have time I'm seeing clients and I just want to focus on my treatment protocols and, you know, helping these people so I'll get uh, the site designed and so if they've got this logo then we can pop that up in the corner we can start to build the site out where all the fonts match up to the logo and kind of build the whole process to get it smoothly running.
1: Yeah nice and you know that's, that's a small investment I think to establish yourself as a business and as you said at the beginning it's really what we need otherwise you basically don't exist and so you can make that up pretty quickly by getting in a couple of clients it's going to pay that self back pretty quickly so I guess one thing that we haven't had a chance to chat about you kind of mentioned this earlier but in terms of once I've got that website up and running and probably relevant to what I was just saying is establishing more clients to come through how do I go about building in elements like a mailing list like why is that so important and where do you sort of start with some of those basics? What do I need to be considering
0: to be doing that? So I've actually had this conversation with quite a few fourth year um, clinic students uh, when they're studying rather than getting them constantly to come back into the clinic is at least having a newsletter list. So once they've graduated, they've actually got a list of people that they can um, send an email out going, hey, everyone, I've graduated. You know, come and see me. This is where my clinic's located. So um It's the same if you're in an established clinic or not. It doesn't matter how many clients you've got. If one day you want to reach your clients and you've popped a social media post up and it gets three views, you can then repurpose that content and put that in a newsletter. And you might get a lot more views because your target market of person tends to read emails more than jump on Facebook.
1: Yeah, great. And how do you, and I think it's a really important point about starting this before you're really trying to launch your business, right? Like speaking to fourth year students, speaking to people as they're starting to move into that stage. How do you recommend that those fourth years go about getting individuals for the mailing list? Is it just using those people they're seeing in student clinic and getting their details? Or
0: some students go, hey, look, pop your details on here. And like I said before, um the basis nowadays is giving them a free thing you give me my an email address and i'll give you this free thing so mine for example in my clinic is i'm giving them a seven day recipe ebook shopping list which i've actually created from that clean life and i've repurposed it and put a cover on it and popped that in so if someone puts their email address in they get this free gift and then they're on my newsletter list and as things come up in the clinic, say. Um, you know, like I'm going on maternity leave at the end of the year. So I've let them all know about that. If they wanted to get um, a consulting, I've told them about my hours and um, a new blog that I put on my website. And then I've sent that email to them and I can check who's opening it and who's not opening it if I want to. But it's it's reaching this whole different market of person because what I find in social media is even though I've actually put that post up there as well is it's it's read, it might not be commented on, they may have forgotten. Uh, So um, me being able to build my own list means that those people are aware of what's happening in my clinic. And you can go across different platforms. So social media, a newsletter list, which is their inbox on their phone. And then you've got a navigation bar at the top of your site. And I suppose the most close to call of person would be sending a text message or telling them face to face.
1: Yeah, great. And I think you've just touched on what I was also going to ask is why having a mailing list is so much better than you know, a lot of people it seems would go, well, I can just put that on my socials. You know, like for instance, I'm going on holiday or like you said, I'm going on maternity leave. I'll just pop that on my socials. But you don't get the same data. You don't understand about who's opening it, who's not and your uh, ability to reach your customers more effectively. And from what you said, maybe some of your uh, patients aren't using socials either so mm. you're kind of limited by that aspect there is this why like I know that you refer to social media as rented space would you mind sort of talking about what you mean by that
0: yeah so tomorrow we could have no Facebook we could have no Instagram we could have no Pinterest we could have none of these social media platforms that we all love <laughs> and some of us may not love so much but it we could just get the whole plug pulled and if you're solely relying on your business being on social media and you don't have these other avenues you can't even tell your clients what you're up to because it's like everything's just been blacked out
1: and we've seen that like in terms of changes as well it may not even be that Drastic that they may disappear, but also that there may be changes on what you can publish on there or what you can share, and we're very much then dependent on the the rules of engagement by those platforms. Um, so yeah. that makes complete sense.
0: And I definitely find over the last couple of years, and I don't know if you're the same, Lawrence, is that um, as health practitioners we've been put in this sort of box of what you can and what you can't say, and particularly on social media, they won't give certain topics as much exposure as other topics, or this robot fact checker will come in and say, this isn't right, even though you could be talking about anything. Um, So you're losing that freedom of speech due to the rules of whatever platform you're using.
1: Definitely and it's a really important consideration and I know like for instance one of the first couple of episodes we had on the podcast was talking uh, about regulatory compliance and what you can and can't sort of put and while that has to be adhered to there's as you're saying there's rules that get made by um, the algorithms or by the platforms that dictate what we can and can't say on those particular platforms and, you know, what information you may be able to share or not. And so being totally reliant on them is probably a little bit risky. Um, That's probably a really good place, I think, to start to wrap this conversation up, I think, Chanel, and we can step into next time we catch up talking some more of the specifics. But I think you've given us a really good overview of the important aspects of building a presence. And I guess just to summarise some of those is, first and foremost, we need to know who we are and establishing our brand before we even try and put ourselves out there online is who are you first and then what's that going to look like and transform onto an online presence. You've then talked about the importance of creating that for in your search. So that when I search for a naturopath near me, or I search for a naturopath specializing in fertility, that a picture of you and your details will come up. We then start to move into websites and the elements of a website. And then starting to look at socials as well. Does that pretty much summarise? Is there anything else that you wanted to add in there around the important aspects of that we haven't had a chance to cover yet or anything else for establishing an online presence for a healthcare practitioner?
0: I think that's the basis of it, to be honest with you. And it really just depends on where you see the business going and what you want to get out of it as to how much effort and time and money you put into it.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And again, why it's important to have someone lead you through that and the benefits of having a professional that can help tease that out. Because I guess some of us aren't even sure when we're doing that ourselves, who do I stand for as a practitioner? What is my business? What is my branding? Where do I want to take this business?
0: It's definitely an age-old question of who am I? And I think that's the hardest one a lot of practitioners find. Um, it really hard to write about who they are. But the about page is probably the last one I would leave because it's very confronting
1: yeah yeah the existential question it is it is (laughs) is tough well i think that's a great place to wrap this up thank you so much for your time and next time that we get together we can dive into some of the specifics around website creation and what's some of the non negotiables and how we can optimize that so thank you so much for joining us on the show chanel
0: thank you so much Thank you for listening to Eagle Clinical's Expert Update. For further information and show notes, visit the Eagle Natural Health website at eaglenaturalhealth.com.au. If you have a topic that you would like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on the Eagle website or message us through our social media pages. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes.